0: You caught me mid-swallow. <laughs> That's so funny because I actually, while I was waiting, was drinking some wine and I was like, she's going to catch me mid-sip. <laughs> <laughs> so we're both um, on the right track. <laughs> yeah, great.
1: I mean, mine's just water, so you're doing a little
0: bit better, but... Hmm.
1: Uh, how dare you? <laughs> Listen, if Marilyn sold alcohol in their grocery stores or on Sundays, I would be drinking wine right now. Oh,
0: you're one of those states that's not fun.
1: Yeah, I'm one of those states. Boo, Maryland.
0: Boo, Maryland. Boo, Boo Pennsylvania. Also. Oh yeah, because I remember that time Jessica had like a whole box of wine shipped to Virginia, and we were like, "What?" And she was like, (laughs) "It's boring (laughs) in in Pennsylvania."
1: (laughs) Yeah, I understand her plight. It's awful, and we'll probably be buying lots and lots of alcohol over christmas break and stocking up my car to take back here.
0: I don't understand that play cuz California's great.
1: Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> also, excuse me uh-huh. while I wrinkle my bag for a second. I bought a bunch of leggings from Forever
0: 21. And... Ooh, what are they made of, Julia? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, the ones I'm wearing now, glad you asked, <laughs> are velvet. What? I mean, like, fake velvet. Obviously. They're for, from
0: for, Forever 21. But you fancy bitch.
1: Yeah, I feel like a fancy bitch right now. I'm wearing the velvet ones, but I had to rip into, I also bought, oh my god, these have a to and from tag in the back. That's adorable. So I also bought <laughs> a llama christmas leggings
0: oh fun that's super fun
1: <laughs> so i might this might be my version of a christmas sweater on christmas i might wear my yeah. christmas leggings with a I was... dress of some sort
0: that's awesome i was just gonna ask if that's what you're gonna do that's i wholeheartedly support that yes
1: yeah i
0: can't, i don't know i just like couldn't find a christmas sweater that i was like really feeling this year that's fair. So, I mostly only thought mine because it was really soft. And I'm not, I support the message, but I don't usually love things that just have words on them. But yeah. this one says something like, you know, I only want to be baking and watching Christmas movies, which I support that message. So, I mean, true. Behind it, it's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, welcome to Paranormal Cat everyone. Uh, in case you forgot that this is a podcast and not Julia's uh, chores. <laughs> <laughs> not all Don't about call. my personal
1: life <laughs> sorry everyone but also these
0: llamas are wearing top hats so I think it's oh worth mentioning <laughs> okay send me a picture I'll put that up on social media because I feel like that's definitely worth it okay great um yeah welcome back everyone we oh man I... so I just finished the book I have a feeling Julia finished a little bit earlier than me because uh... I it yesterday Whoa, look at you. Look at well, you only got to the disappointing ending faster than I did. <laughs>
1: uh, uh, what a disappointing ending.
0: It was guys, the title of this book, as you'll recall, is called Purring Around the Christmas Tree. And there I feel no like cats. I need I know, we need to be up front like right now in my vision of having the cat being stroked while there were epiphanies happening to the murder mystery did not happen. We only heard about the cats one more time in the sense that granted it was a little true crimey. She was a little bit worried about her cats being like kidnapped or something or like hurt when, you know, if people are going to break into her house, but then nothing happened and they didn't. I thought the cats were going to stage this like protection against this like big grand (laughs) event against yeah, sorry, guys. This one did not have the cats that we were expecting it to. This
1: one, yeah, this one was a little... I mean, it was such a good read up until the
0: end. And then I was yeah. like,
1: okay, first of all, there's no purring in this book.
0: There's, like, barely Christmas trees. And well, then, there were a lot of Christmas trees, but no time with those Christmas trees. Like, I thought yeah, those were going to factor in, really. They really weren't important to the story. No, I know. Oh, and man. also, the, like,
1: can we talk about the villain? In this, like, I feel like the wrong person got punished. For sure.
0: I'm going to need a refresher on <laughs> what that means and maybe even what happened. <laughs> oh, okay, great. Well, I guess we'll get there because
1: I don't we'll want give there, away yeah. the
0: ending yet. Well, um, but you know what's funny, though? I was actually, like, nervous when as I was reading it because I was, like, in the way that, like, some of the the previous Lillian Jackson Braun books I feel like have been like you know Quiller and doing chores and like or you know meeting people and going back and forth there's kind of a lot of that in this and I might be wrong but I feel like there's not a ton that happens between the second the beginning of the second half that we started and the climactic ending I mean there are probably a lot of little things but I I, I feel like I do that
1: every time but yeah like there's yeah no there's not really and like the main character and like all of her like nosiness and sleuthing really does absolutely nothing to solve anything like it would have come to like fruition anyway yeah. and like regardless of her busy or even the like police officers work like she didn't really do much either because it was all out of like anyone's control in the town
0: you know? Yeah, I honestly, by the end, I was like a little bit annoyed with like almost everyone because I was like, Stan is like pretty self-righteous that she's like doing the right thing. And I was like, I don't know that you are doing the right thing. Like, then like, yeah, like Jesse is like super all over the place. And I was like, mad that she was like, doing some of the things that she was doing. And yeah, I or like not even doing the things. I feel like she was doing the right things as a police officer right but like the way that she was treating people I was like that's unnecessary yeah (laughs) I don't know there just were like very few people I you know I did I have to say I did end up liking a lot of the ancillary characters because I really liked Izzy once we found out Izzy's Mm -hmm. secret yeah and I really I ended up liking Liam Liam seemed like a shithead at first but he ended up being great yeah yeah
1: he's yeah he's coming I'm coming around to him
0: yeah for yeah. sure like, and that, like kevin... that story was great yeah kevin question mark you know what okay i'm gonna say this right now i don't think this is too much of a spoiler mm-hmm. but towards the end when i kind of saw started to see where it was actually going with kevin mm-hmm. i was like oh my god i wish that this was like just that the writer was just just like about him <laughs> well <laughs> almost but i also was like i wish this writer was just like the tiniest bit more skilled and that she had put in a bigger theme of like Kevin as like like a um like a surrogate Santa almost because he kind of becomes that kind of pr- like interesting type character who like a little bit not really but like kind I mean I guess does kind of save the day that kind of a spoiler sorry everyone yeah. but I, and he kind of seemed like an older guy with a beard and like a cap and I was like there's so much you can do there because you already have Santa themes like Great. I just wanted to like play that out as like he's like this like little criminal good guy santa mm-hmm. so um yeah that was my you know a little ranty rant about that but yeah maybe we should start so should we get into it around um the, the purchasing of the christmas tree yes that the purchasing matter the <laughs> christmas tree sorry i feel like you guys are gonna hear a lot of bells in the background <laughs> and are chasing each other like crazy monsters i mean that's fine
1: I might rip into a couple of other pieces of clothing while we're <laughs> I mean fair. This is real life fair. I'll, I'll try not to wrinkle too much. I just can't control myself. I'm so excited. I have two other velvet dresses.
0: <laughs> oh my god. Are you gonna wear velvet dress on top? I challenge you to wear velvet dress on top of velvet type, don't or velvet light. I, <laughs> I don't. I don't think you won't. I don't think it'll be much of a challenge. <laughs>
1: velvet everything i just need like a velvet coat and like top hat to go
0: with it <laughs> oh my fucking god and then i'll be willy wonka <laughs> yeah you won't be julia anymore you will be like you will just transform into cartoon immediately <laughs> It just listen velvet's in right now and it's super soft
1: and comfortable and they use the stretchy kind because no one likes real velvet <laughs>
0: it is yeah it is true it is true it's very comfy it's 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 like kind of a mind trip for me honestly that it's back in style because it was such a it it's a funny thing very much a 90s thing yeah Yeah. and like scrunchies and things like that are back which like I'm not saying I'm not into it just has that (laughs) little little twinge for me of like
1: is that cool is that okay again can I start posting my pictures from middle school
0: yeah I did see someone tweet the other day about like, um, oh, my God, I think it was someone. No, I'm not going to say I thought it was Angela from The Office, but I could be wrong. But someone recently um, was retweeting a tweet that was, you know, someone had initially been like, you know, some article or whatever that was like, like, flare bottoms are coming back in style. And whoever it was had retweeted it had been like, not if I have anything to fucking say about it. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> all right. Fair. Oh. Anything that I am not really into not ready for bell bottoms or not bell bottoms but you know the flared bottoms to come back.
1: Yeah, I don't think I want the flared bottoms to come back. They're hard to stick into boots and I wear a lot of mm-hmm. boots.
0: I know me too. Yeah, the skinny jean is too cute with or even like a boot cut or something with with a boot. Mhm. Mhm. Just too cute. Yeah. It's too cute. It's too about. cute.
1: But that's why I'm kind of a fan of the velvets. I can wear like a cute little velvet dress with some velvet leggings and wear my boots with them.
0: That's true. Yeah, that's true. I'm not going to judge the amount of velvet that you wear.
1: Yeah, I'm going to be wearing a lot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Which I do feel like is pretty on par with Cozy Mysteries because that kind of goes with the, like definitely with the Christmas vibe, but also with like the small town vibe with the, you know, I don't know. I feel like it fits. All right, great. I'll take it. (laughs) So where we left off, uh, Stan, our main character, the dog and cat bakery owner is on her way with her. Well, I think like the next day was going to go get her Christmas tree, and we were excited because that was like maybe the namesake of the actual um uh, uh book. We we're all like, jokes oh, <laughs> on <Christmas> us <laughs> her around, yeah. But she did go, and so if you'll remember, one of the last things from the last chapter before um we stopped reading last time. Stan had had a confrontation with Jesse, our resident small town cop, who also happens to be Stan's like soon to be well, they're not engaged, but uh, her she's basically a part of her boyfriend's family, the McGees, and Jesse McGee is um uh, sorry Stan's boyfriend's sister, so basically like within her like extended family. Santa's extended family. So she had had like a little run-in with Jesse because Jesse was going to confront Lester of the Christmas tree farm because Lester is under suspicion for the death of Santa, aka Harold Dewey. Dun, dun, dun. Who, as we'll remember too, no one really thought that Harold was going to be Santa because it was supposed to be Seamus, the Whoa. Irish rogue from uh who lives in Ireland most of his most of his time but comes over to Frog Leap during holidays mostly Christmas time Mm -hmm. and uh but and summers and summers that's right he comes during the summer too but Seamus has disappeared without a trace along with Ray a very staple sound husband of the town. That's like literally all we know about him really is yeah. that he like, and that's is a solid we- husband <laughs> and takes care of alpacas. <laughs> yeah. that's
1: And that's all we will ever know about him in case anyone wants the backstory on Ray. We don't get
0: one. It's true, but we do find out what happened to him. We do. So we- that at least we have coming yeah. down the line. We
1: have closure in that realm.
0: Yeah. We have closure in the Ray department. <laughs> the Ray and Cher Saga. Char! Char! Oh my god. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's an A. It's an A, everyone. <laughs> it's an A. C-H-A-R. Um, but yeah, so they are going, so they've had a little confrontation because um, Stan is mad at Jesse and is like, you're not looking at all the possibilities here. I think Seamus was involved. Um, like, why would someone kill Harold Dewey, who is this sort of Um, seasonal seasonal guy kind of also like Seamus but maybe a little maybe potentially a little closer to homeless they're not really sure but he you know picks up seasonal work here and there and um, they seem to
1: have in in my mind they seem to have like very similar life stories and personalities but Seamus has been like incredibly lucky in his life yeah
0: that's a good way to put it terribleness
1: whereas Harold has been very unfortunate and reaped the consequences of I guess being a
0: little like flighty and
1: unreliable
0: it is true yeah Seamus is painted very much as like like a kind of a bumbling like happy-go-lucky type guy that right doesn't always 100% reap the consequences of like the crazy choices he makes. yeah he literally does... reaped no consequences in this book yeah zero he really didn't. <laughs> although i mean we're kind of led to believe that never mind i will wait on that okay <laughs> i mean we're led to believe that he did make maybe a decent choice towards the end but like uh, anyway well, yeah i know i'm with you i understand yeah I'm just saying, from the
1: book's perspective. I mean, I, yeah, they like wrapped it up and whatever, but I'm
0: unhappy about it. <laughs> <Just laughs> we well, get upfront. there. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah, you, want, you want it known. Um, yeah, so, okay, so they've had this conversation, Stan and, and Jesse, because Jesse's like, listen, look at people who might be mad at Seamus, not Harold, but Jesse is still investigating. As we kind of talked about last time, like, she has to go down all the avenues as a police officer of like, Harold was the one who was actually killed, so she has to look into people who would be, you know, mad or have a, an agenda against Harold. So Lester, the Christmas tree farmer, comes up because uh, Harold would do seasonal work for Lester, and there was kind of a rumor going around that Lester was mad at Harold. We're not told yet, kind of what that was about, but Harold did uh, turn when he turned up dead had a black eye. And so the rumor in town was that Lester had given it to him. So, so yeah, Jesse was there questioning Lester. Um, and so then pretty quickly, like right after that, Les, uh, not Lester Stan goes with her family to pick up a Christmas tree. And of course has the perfect opportunity to talk to Lester, like shake him down a little bit, but also be like, I heard that Jesse came to talk to you. Like Stan always plays this like funny middle card of like, like, oh, how are you doing? And then, like, shakes people down after that. It's like she, like, she's a little bit manipulative. Yeah. Like, she kind of gains people's trust and then is like, oh, but tell me all the information. And Lester, kind of to his credit, he's like, that's not your business. But he does tell right. her stuff and then he gives her a free tree. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very
1: nice it's very confused. Because she's, it like, was. she was being, like, a little bit of an asshole about it. Because yeah. I think, like, I get that she doesn't want Lester or, like, anyone... Innocent of this crime to be like to have their reputation dragged through the mud for it. But at the same time, like she's not really being helpful, and there's nothing she can do about it.
0: There's truly nothing she could do about it.
1: Yeah. And so I think Lester was kind of like, Why are you here other than like you're being a busybody? Like, I think he kind of like calls her out for it a little bit, and she's like, Well, no, I just want to like make sure everyone's he's like, but it's not your thing.
0: Yeah, he makes a great point, too, because when she's like, you know, trying to be nice, which I think she genuinely is at the beginning when she's like, hey, I'm so sorry this happened that Jesse came to talk to you. And like, I know it looks like, you know, to the town, like perception wise that, you know, you're being questioned as a suspect and that sucks. And he's like, yeah, I'm surprised it didn't affect my business. I'm really glad about that. But he also was like, I also think that a lot of people are here tonight to like because they're fucking curious. And she's like, "Oh yeah, that's awful." And then like ask him all these yeah. fucking questions, and, then, like, and I'm like, "You're doing it. You are. You're doing the that. thing.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. you're doing the thing
0: everyone hates." Yeah, that he like literally just told you that you're doing. Oh, yeah, God. so it's really funny. She like, you know, it's different. It's funny because Quillarin is like in somehow in like a different like toes that line a little bit easier in my mind. Like maybe it's because he's a journalist, and maybe because he like doesn't have such a strained relationship with the police. Like I don't know what it is but like his the reasons that he investigates. Like I know we've called him a busybody too because he kind of is also. I mean he totally but- is, but it also like yeah, I think in Quilleran's case you don't get the other side of it
1: of like no, someone else is going to take care of this in yeah, like, the yeah. proper way. I think with Quilleran it's like he genuinely seems like the only person who's like looking into anything at any given
0: time. Yeah, I agree which is like, I wonder if that's part of the setup because I know that the um, I remember the police chief in Pickaxe is like older and they set that up really well with Ruth, the daughter, because she's kind of like, oh, he's like so old. So like, I wonder if there's like maybe it's like playing a little bit on that, that like this one cop is like can't really change his thinking. And so Quilleran like, you see it more of like oh, Quillerin's just helping yeah, I don't know. Cause there's definitely something here where Stan, I see Stan as more of a busybody and not necessarily super helping the situation. Whereas you're right, yeah. Quillerin, it seems like he's much more doing work that no one else is doing. Whereas, right. Stan well, is in the I middle mean, of a bunch of people.
1: Quillerin's also not like, I feel like the things that he investigates aren't necessarily like super open investigations they seem more cut and dry, like everyone kind of has their mind made up. which like, That's true,
0: that's a good point I, too.
1: I guess this one was kind of that way too, but it was like still very open in terms of like, you know, Jessie was looking into something and kind of had her mind made up about it, but she was looking into like two or three different
0: things because it's, it's still a fucking open investigation. <laughs> like, right. No one knows
1: anything yet.
0: Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, Well, either way, so she does get a little bit more information about Lester um, while she's getting her Christmas tree because she kind of talks to him about Harold and the rumor that uh, Lester had, you know, punched Harold and he doesn't give away everything, but he does kind of go into a little bit more detail of like, yeah, he was just unreliable and like, yeah, I, I could get mad at him. And so she... Stan is left feeling like there's definitely something else there, but he doesn't seem like a murderer. Yeah. So we're like kind of left with that. And then what happens after that? There are like just so many mornings where she goes to the bakery. Someone else. Literally by the end, I was like, this lady does not ever work in her bakery. Like I, I get that she's solving a murder too, but there's yeah. so many other people around her that are just like, oh no problem at all. I'm just being here worry about need me. I was like, this is a business. This is your business. Right.
1: Yeah. Like, why is this murder taking precedent over a business that you're trying to like open? Shouldn't that yeah. be a thing? You're not even like probably breaking even
0: yet. You need to be focused on your own life. Well, that was a part I like really broke with the relatability because I, when she mentioned her um she casually at one point mentions her old PR job, like high paying, like expense account, PR right. job. Yeah. And for like sure. her mom's really like rich, like really loaded too and I just was like oh you don't actually have any real stakes in this I don't think like I think it's like your life has no struggle yeah yeah yeah. you don't I don't relate anymore
1: (laughs) yeah no for sure but yeah no you're right and I did appreciate halfway through her being like maybe I should make Brenna a partner I'm like maybe you should give Mm -hmm. bakery to Brenna
0: (laughs) yeah well for sure like she things come so easily to Stan like halfway through we get really quickly actually it might be one of the next things that happens Um, so Stan does spend a morning I mean she spends at least part of her mornings every morning in the bakery which I can't say I don't love I fucking love every Cookie sheet that goes in every recipe at the end. There are fucking recipes at the I end, know. Of the story, oh, guys, and it's I amazing. Saw that. that was a surprise, oh. and
1: I was so excited about it. I was
0: like, "Tuna treats, yes!" I know, <laughs> guys. They have the actual recipes that Stan bakes for her dog and cat uh, patrons of her bakery, and it's truly so great. I like love it so much. Um, so yeah, that's it's like such a good like ambiance. It's really great. I just like didn't always love the setup of that, but. Pretty early on, like pretty, like right after Stan. It's a morning. Stan is in her um, in her bakery, and uh, a woman from a very prestigious food magazine comes in. Oh, and like, yeah, yeah, that was of kind of, like blue.
1: a little bit nonsensy. Like, didn't really have anything to do with yeah. the, the the story, but it was very much a like, why, like, how?
0: <laughs> yeah. So how is it happening,
1: the- and how is it not happening to
0: me? <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, that's the thing of like, not many people are offered this like a an opportunity, like a glowing opportunity like that just out of the blue. So I guess in a previous book, um, Stan had been per her bakery or her baking skills, her cat and dog food baking um, skills had been featured in this really big foodie magazine. And so that one of the editors of this magazine came to Stan out of the blue un unprompted. And like, well, it wasn't basically, like totally
1: unprompted she was trying to come to the grand opening but like missed it by a couple days oh that's right so yeah, it was like right. a little bit of a you know reason i guess for her to
0: come down from wherever the hell she was coming from yeah i think it it might have been boston it was like one of the bit, it was like a bigger city like new england city somewhere around yeah or maybe like new haven maybe it was like connecticut still i don't know um But yeah, offers her this opportunity, this like job to be basically a full time food writer, like cat and dog food writer for this foodie magazine, with the intention of potentially starting an entire foodie, cat and food, or cat and dog food magazine on its own to stand like as a separate entity unto itself. Which I love too. I love it so much. But I'm also like, oh, you were just given this. No one is just given things
1: like this. That's crazy. also, when is she going to have time for that when she doesn't even have I time that for her bakery? Well,
0: which, if you'll remember, that is, it's after that that she's like, maybe I should bring Brenna in as a partner. I'm like, you will flounder if yeah, you duh. don't. And Brenna <laughs>
1: is the only thing keeping you afloat. <laughs> she's literally the only one who works there, like 90%. So of true. Time.
0: So Brenna is um, another one of Jake's sisters. So also Jesse's sister. Probably and... the most
1: sensible, reliable, nicest
0: person in this book. <laughs> oh, she's fucking great. Yeah, Brenna is the shit. Yeah. yeah. Brenna. So every morning when um, Stan does go into the bakery, she has some some little new clue comes out. So like she'll talk to Brenna and Brenna kind of throughout this half of the book kind of slowly divulges her um Pretty soon, actually, after the Christmas tree, um, Jake and Stan get into a fight about um, Uncle Seamus, who um, Jake is like pretty blindly supporting and just is like, no, he's not a bad guy. Like, he,
1: even though he's a flaming racist.
0: Yeah, even though we come to find he's a super intense racist. Like, that's not great. But Brenna, meanwhile, like, kind of different mornings, sort of divulges to Stan, like, yeah, I'm really suspicious that he's missing because he's involved in something shady. And, like, yeah, Jake kind of follows him. Not, like, follows him because he's never gotten involved in, like, any business venture with him, but kind of believes in him in a way that he shouldn't because he's super shady. And so at that point after this fight, Stan is kind of like, oh, thank God someone else is, like, not really. Because the fight starts when stan goes to jake and is like hey maybe your uncle had something to do with this murder and jake is like can't even hear it is like absolutely
1: no, not my uncle's great how could you
0: ever think that he was a bad
1: person and yeah. she's like, but maybe it's the facts and he's like no you think he's a bad person and then storms off
0: yeah it's a pretty weird fight and then they don't really talk about it afterwards they have like a couple little moments where like one of them's trying to be affectionate like Jake then is like reaching out to her a little bit to try to be affectionate and then she's trying to like do that back but there's never like a follow up conversation ever of like hey let's resolve this let's conflict resolve that we had
1: this maybe you should stop believing in your horrible racist uncle because he's i mean he never like admits that he's wrong about his horrible racist uncle
0: no it's true he never does even at the at the end when that is proved to be the case. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So yeah, so the unfortunately, so the racism comes in pretty quickly too. So um we get the um the scene that Izzy, who is um a person of color, she is like Stan, as we said last time, Stan is like kind of suspicious that Izzy so Izzy's her best friend and Izzy is like kind of clearly hiding something from stan that she's just not, not telling her the whole truth but meanwhile Izzy's like under investigation for fucking murder and stan is like what's up with you what's happening i don't know what's going on um, like you look like shit all the time it's true yeah apparently she was like sneaking around and like tired all the time and like seem and she used the um last episode we mentioned she used the uh the excuse that her dog was sick and i was like i don't buy it yeah i mean to be
1: fair she does seem very suspicious for a while and especially when we find out that she had like a kind of a run-in with harold like a few years before or like a certain amount of time before so it does seem like a little bit suspicious because you don't get really any other clues of what it might be until it like actually comes out
0: that's true we don't really hear anything else about it we don't get like a build-up until we just hear the actual story from izzy which is that apparently fucking harold was racist too and harold like started calling her all of these like racist like they don't go into it they definitely don't go into it but they no i thought harold did the same thing wasn't that initially how her and harold had a run in yeah 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 yeah. that he was like working for her and like then something kind of blew up, and, like, he was using a lot of race, racial, racial slurs. bad her like, all, the, all the way across town.
1: But, yeah, then yeah. Seamus did the same thing.
0: Well, yeah, that's right. And so we find that out a little bit later that, like, so the big secret that apparently Izzy was hiding was sort of a fun one, and it was that her and Liam had been hooking up slash our committed relationship. Hey, and uh so stan is like just hands down thrilled and is like happy for them and it's like why are you guys hiding this and then they tell the story that so Liam is seamus's son mm-hmm. and so then they the better looking son by the way what <laughs> also the one that didn't bail declan just like leaves and yeah. you never hear about him again
1: but that's fine because afterwards you hear a little bit about duncan and i was like that's all right
0: duncan is the dog yeah i know <laughs> wait what <laughs>
1: Yeah, because Declan leaves and then like a couple sentences later oh. you get some news about Duncan and I'm like, It's like he never left
0: <laughs> You're like, Oh, I see. You're like, Okay, well only one of you can be in scene at one point. Yeah, that's because nice. their names are too confusing together for people No it's like very true. for people like me who can't learn names. Well no, that's like a they told us that in like writing classes at Emerson too of like if you're gonna like have names that sound similar, like maybe a don't do that, but B, if you're gonna <laughs> do, don't have them like in similar places. And yeah. that definitely did. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah, Decla Oh, so mm-hmm. um Liam goes into this like whole long winded thing about which like is super fucking sad that apparently Seamus did he find he did he find out he did. He caught them, right? They said caught but they didn't go into it. So uh. like Yeah, I can't remember if he found out or if he was just being, like, a general asshole. It's true. I mean, it honestly could be either one because it sounds like either one is, like, normal to his personality. Um, But he also apparently started calling Izzy, like, or not even calling her things, but was, like, saying how, like, his son, his, like, you know, Irish son shouldn't be with someone like Izzy, which is, like, hollow. So awful. (laughs) Yeah, so So I think this is the point
1: where I was like, oh, well, he's going to die in the end or he's going to be like, yeah, I was like, he's either like innocent and he's going to die in the end or he is like the one causing all of this and he's going to go away forever because there's no coming back from being written as a flaming racist who is just known for having like terrible streaks like that yeah like well, to me that's sure. not a a thing where you can be like oh and he just made a dumb mistake and now he comes back and everyone finds him lovable again like
0: no yeah no <laughs> right well because in like anything else like if you think about movies I mean I guess maybe I always think in movie structure but the way that it probably would have worked in a lot of other things that I would have read or seen is that he, he would be revealed to be this terrible character and then he would have died in the end kind of redeeming himself being like you know maybe Izzy was in trouble and he had to he like in a way like sacrificed himself for Izzy and Liam or you know something like that that would be like yeah. oh, okay maybe, maybe he saw the error of his ways or like whatever that doesn't
1: happen. <laughs> no, nothing happens. It's like he has a well. I, I guess I. I guess I shouldn't go into. We don't know yet. <laughs> we'll we'll find out. We'll find out. Yeah, um, but no, his his redemption is very self serving.
0: Yeah, it is, and
1: everyone's just like, "All right, fine." I'm like, yeah. "Excuse me." Yeah, I, I hate this.
0: <laughs> it also, to be honest, it was a little bit hard it was a little bit jarring for me just in the sense of like obviously the topic of racism is like so big and broad and nuanced and the idea of tackling it in such a it's it felt a little bit tacked on as like a like a way to just alienate us from this character in this moment or a way to like it felt like something that the writer was using instead of like we're actually having like a conversation about this like, right. thing that is an ever present problem in our society. Yeah. You know what I mean? No. Like it felt a little bit It
1: totally was. It was like or... a, a plot point. Yeah to, like an actual discussion about it. Because nothing happens with it. It's just right. like, glossed over.
0: Yeah, it's not there's not anything like brought into like a dialogue or any kind of you know, anything about it. Yeah. It's really for for me, I was like, this is not really a thoughtful invocation of this or a thoughtful like which obviously I'm told like if you want to have those kind, like obviously we, have, we need to have conversations that's like a way forward but yeah it, in this way of you using it felt like a plot device you're right it felt like a way mm-hmm. to something else in abusive writing yeah and not even it's... very sensitive
1: whole... plot point
0: maybe that's what I'm thinking of it yeah it's it doesn't feel very sensitively approached at all yeah which is hard yeah yeah uh, um so then what happens next so izzy is revealed. Uh-huh. oh doesn't izzy get called jesse calls her down to the like barracks oh or whatever. Yeah. yeah so i think that's that's what started the whole thing or
1: the whole like reveal because jesse called izzy down to the barracks which was like oh, no, it's not just another questioning. She's going to arrest me. Big fucking deal. Yes. Whoa, because the barracks were, like, the next town over, and so it wouldn't make sense if she wasn't going to be arrested for her to go, like, all the way down to the barracks. Right. So she calls Stan in a panic and was like, I need a lawyer. Help me. I'll tell you everything. But not really, I guess. She just needed a lawyer. So Stan actually goes over to the apartment and catches her with Liam. Oh, yes. So that's... That is how that revealed. I don't think it would. <laughs> I honestly don't think it like would have come out otherwise. Yeah, like, no. it doesn't. It doesn't sound like Izzy was like
0: letting go of that secret. No, she really wasn't, and it was to the point too of like she wasn't going to even tell Jesse, even though Jesse was still questioning her and sl- like slash might be arresting her. She very mm-hmm. much wasn't ready to tell anyone about it. Oh, right. And to his credit too, Liam was with her like Liam was also like I love her so much like I want to tell everyone but I'm like respecting her wishes meanwhile Stan over here is like you gotta fucking tell people you gotta tell people it's like well I mean it's hard sure I mean she is being questioned for murder but also she doesn't want to say anything I don't know it was very yeah
1: yeah but at the same time like literally no one else had a problem with it everyone else was like oh my god this is fantastic like we're,
0: we're all so happy
1: so it like is a little bit I don't know. I do, you know, be respectful of people's times when they want to like reveal their own personal lives. But it sounds like this had been going on for like a year. Yeah, (laughs) years. So, like, yeah. So to me, I'm kind of like, wouldn't you want like your friends to know that you're like dating a great guy, that you're like super excited about this?
0: I don't know. Maybe not. Line's advocate here. He, yeah. I don't think he was living in Frog Leap Yeah, because he was staying No, with... he wasn't. So I think it was a year but I think it was a year of like he had been there previously like yeah. maybe a handful of times throughout the year. A, a year of long term or long distance. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like I mean it's true she hasn't had the most the helpful experience in this small town. Yeah. But we also get so around that time we also maybe a little bit later but we also get the um the little tidbit that lester oh so basically that's the whole point of that whole reveal is that liam is izzy's alibi basically mm. but she doesn't want to admit it because yeah well they were basically of- like having cx probably not but like, you know, <laughs> they were like they're, yeah. yeah they're kind of
1: each other's alibi because izzy is the only one who's like officially questioned by Jesse or like kind of under suspicion but Liam was also seen kind of like milling al- around the That's library. Right. Yeah. At the time because they had gotten their wires crossed and were supposed to meet there and then Izzy of course like sent that other girl whose name I will never know because we never meet her and she doesn't matter. But um to the story she matters as a person. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> good clarification. Good yeah. Clarification.
1: Um but, yeah, so he had been kind of a little bit under suspicion from Stan, who was, like, gathering all of this gossip together. So I guess they're they're kind of, like, both clearing each other's names at this point.
0: Yeah, true. And then around that time, too, we also get the little tidbit that Lester, too, has an alibi that he just doesn't want to admit because it involves his son selling what I assume is marijuana on <laughs> his... Um, <laughs> (laughs) christmas tree farm which
1: is like one of my favorite parts of this whole book (laughs) i
0: know if you're not selling marijuana on a christmas tree farm then i don't know what you're doing (laughs) (laughs) but yeah there's like so lester's son is there the night uh, stan meets him really briefly he like helps her take the tree out to her car and um apparently is like a really great like high school college-ish age guy and is friends with one of the um one of the other random youths in the town who is a photographer. <laughs> so like we see him a little bit here and there. Yeah. And then he comes by and he's supposed to like help Stan with her bakery opening and he's gonna like do a couple other things. And then I forget how we actually find this out. Do you know? Someone just straight up tells him. I think maybe Tony. Uh it was it Emily. Emmeline? Oh, maybe Emmeline Hoffman. Yeah, the other farmer. Yeah, I think you're right. And yeah. kind of like divulges it. But yeah, apparently Harold, so the way that Harold got his black eye. Oh, oh, oh sorry. It
1: it oh, wasn't go ahead. Emmeline. <laughs> I don't remember who it was, but I remember what Emmeline does divulge. But keep going.
0: Oh, okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. It's really good. Like this one is yeah, very interesting. It's like a little little gossipy. <laughs> um, so yeah, so um Stan is privy to the information now that Harold Dewey, pre pre-deceased, um mm-hmm. catches you so he's working on Lester's Christmas tree farm. Mm-hmm. And um Lester's or not Lester, Harold is apparently a little bit of a shithead himself because he stumbles upon um I think his name's Eric, Lester's son. Ooh, you know, I don't know okay fair um <laughs> stumbles upon lester's son um selling what sounds like pot they say illegal substances but i mean i we I'm, can make assumptions what yeah, else I'm are so you gonna sell on a christmas tree farm in a small town oh it just seems like it's pot it can't be like heroin or something crazy. <laughs> it's gotta be pot i'm saying right? where would he get i mean i i know
1: i was i don't know where I'm anyone like, gets any know. of these things
0: because i'm not uh,
1: sure. i'm not i'm not in that world but I'm, <laughs> i am like <laughs> I don't know I just assume that if you're a high school student or a college student like that's what you're going for
0: yeah and especially on a farm I assumed he had like like a cute little secret hidden like a like, little garden. garden yeah I 100% thought that I <laughs> thought it was like, a very small time yeah so no it sounded Dad, like pretty innocent plants. yeah exactly yeah. yeah like literally just like picking a couple like buds here and there and like selling it to his friends but apparently Harold stumbled across him doing that And then fucking blackmailed Lester about it and was like, I'm going to tell everyone about this, which obviously would hurt Lester's son's future if that did come out. So apparently it's a small town,
1: so I'm sure it was a big scandal.
0: Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, so that's how he gets his black guy, because Lester doesn't like that. Rightly so. Um, Well, I think it was actually his son that punched him. Oh, you, no, you're totally right. Yeah, yeah, not that I, I'm saying it. yeah. No, so
1: crazy. it wasn't even Lester. It was the sun. I can't... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it might have been Lester that was being blackmailed. Maybe the son found out
0: and was like, no. But yeah, like, don't put my dad through that. Don't put me through that. Yeah. Yeah, but
1: I can't... It could have also been the son being blackmailed. I can't actually remember. Yeah, I can't uh, remember either. But no,
0: you're right. It is the sun that gives the black eye.
1: Yeah, but it's definitely the sun that gives the black eye and... So the, the alibi was that Lester was taking his son to, like, a com- community service, some sort of, like, counseling, no. some sort of, like, yeah. something or other in, like, no, the next the town mayor. over.
0: Yeah, exactly. It, I think it was actually, like, a trauma counselor that they, he was, like, I, you know, my son's been through a lot and he's, like, really reacting in a really you know intense and like possibly negative way just like emotionally like I think afterwards he was like he's really not doing well after all of this mm-hmm. so I think he was taking him to a counselor because of all of that oh gotcha and uh, but it was I think it was a specific enough counselor that he couldn't just say like oh yeah we were going to like a doctor's appointment or something they would know by like we're going to this specific counselor it would have been kind of obvious or you know whatever it was
1: Yeah, it also would have been like, why are you going to a doctor in the next town over? We've got one here.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and we don't really ever get, because it's before, like that comes out, but nothing really comes of that because then pretty quickly the whole idea that they're looking into Harold's death as a murder of Harold and not an attempted murder of Seamus kind of switches pretty fast, I think. Because mm-hmm. there's not a ton after that that like Jesse does, except oh, there is a great scene where so Izzy's fine, Izzy's okay, Izzy comes back from the barracks questioning, and apparently it was like just a questioning. It wasn't like a, it was anything too intense. And um Stan's mom was really sweet, and apparently like arranged for a, a lawyer that she was going to fucking pay for, which is like the nicest thing possible. I mean, she's limited, um, so she probably is yeah Yeah.
1: just buy your coffee and your lawyer
0: (laughs) yeah she's like no big deal everything's fine um but yeah so the lawyer meets her there and the lawyer is very like don't you know very good apparently and is like don't answer these questions like you can say this but don't say that and um so jesse lets her go and then um the that night so i guess izzy's at home kind of like you know i wouldn't want to see anyone if i were just questioned about a murder but then that night is the McGee, the big McGee family Christmas soiree, and um, they're doing it despite the fact that Seamus is still missing, because most of the family is like, whatever, he's a shady character, he'll show up when he shows up. Yeah, right? right. He'll probably and, can, uh, he ruin the party anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I might as well do this shit. So then Liam, so the party ends in um, Liam... <laughs> Fucking, but yeah, in total shambles. (laughs) Because apparently, so some of Seamus's old friends, um, including did we talk about Kevin in the last episode? Um, I cannot remember. Actually, I can't remember either. Okay, so Kevin. So maybe to backtrack a little bit. So Kevin. Oh, we and we must have because he came and he told that whole story about the car. Oh oh, yeah, but we might not.
1: We might not have mentioned that like other friends yeah. showed up.
0: there's a whole second group of people claiming to be Seamus's friends who have showed up who are like weirdly separate from Kevin who also is there claiming to be Kevin or um Seamus's friend yeah and, and so- like yes. all from the same poker night which is why like <laughs> yeah friends
1: but they're all claiming to be like the poker friends and they were like yeah we just got worried and so yeah Stan was like but why did one of you come Was he more worried? Like, what's the deal with that?
0: Yeah, also, like, why didn't you guys come together? Why are you never hanging out? Because, like, there are, like, four of them separately who are at Char's bed and breakfast. And then Kevin, who's at Stans. And, like, they're kind of separate. And, like, the other guys came down, like, days after Kevin. And they're like, what is even happening? But apparently all the friends come to the McGee Christmas party And Kevin is kind of MIA, so Kevin has been like a little bit overstaying his welcome at stands. Um, And but Kevin's not. He also makes coffee every morning, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) That's true. He's a little bit of a Santa Claus in that. Yeah, a little bit magical. Yeah,
1: I, I will say like. As much as I was like, oh my god, this guy is overstaying his welcome. He was never an obnoxious character. Like I never was pleading at any point. Like, oh my god, she needs to kick him out. I was like, oh yeah, it's it's that guy. I guess that's kind of like you know. I'd probably want my couch back, but like he seems nice,
0: (laughs) and he's super conscientious because numerous times like you get the inner monologue of Stan being like, oh, I should just, like, reclaim my couch and kick this guy out. Like, he might be shady. Like, I don't know anything about him. Mm-hmm. And then, like, in the net, like, that night, she gets home, and he's like, if I'm overstaying my welcome, I will leave at yeah. any time. Like, <laughs> do just let me know. And it's like, oh, all right. All right. I mean, yeah, like, making he's, coffee. He's doing okay. You're conscientious. Yeah, and he's yeah. not, like, hanging out in the
1: house all day long, like, eating her food. He's, like, going out and doing his own thing, and then also getting back at a reasonable hour because she doesn't want to give him a house key. So, like,
0: He's he's been right. a pretty good guest. It is true, yeah. Um, but apparently that night he wasn't around, which was a little bit shady. So mm. um, he doesn't get invited to the McGee Christmas party. So it's only Seamus's other friends who apparently are a little rowdy and also also flaming have, racist. Yeah, also flaming racist, and also have similar opinions to Seamus. Yeah. And like I don't know how it comes up, but all of a sudden. Liam has just fucking decked a guy like laid him out and um, it kind of comes out like everyone's like Ooh! like communal room gas yeah. and um, then Liam is basically like just super mad and is like tell everyone what you just said like here's why I punched him but Jesse is like immediately like you're gonna be arrested Liam like I'm taking you to jail and the other guy's like yeah press charges and Jesse's like do you want me to press charges and then the guy's like, yeah, press charges. And everyone is like, you better not fucking press charges against your cousin who just punched a racist. Right. Like, that. you cannot do that. And so they kind of disappear, but it does turn out that they have, like, a little heart to heart, and Jesse like, lets him go. Yeah. I mean, he was um, also,
1: like, drunk at this point, so I feel like she probably just, like, stuck him in a drunk tank for a couple hours and was like, cool down, and then go home.
0: Yeah. Probably, yeah, exactly. But during that party, we also get Nora, who is Jake's mom slash Seamus's sister-in-law, and um, she also kind of similar to Brenna, sort of is at the point where she's like a little more loose-lipped about Seamus and is like, yeah. I think this guy's, like, I mean, he's family, and we're Irish, and, like... We put up with him. (laughs) Yeah, we're, like, all loyal. Like, I think she literally says it like that. But she's, like, yeah, he's, like, a thorn in my side, and he just is, like, does whatever he wants without consequences. And, like, I totally believe he's involved in shady shit. So Stan's, like, a little bit more vindicated than after her fight with Jake. And also now more suspicious of what actually happened yeah so the, so the i, I will about.
1: say the mom was also like in that she was like i know jake has his opinions but like he's a stubborn asshole so like don't get let him get away with it
0: yeah <laughs> that i feel like is great advice even. from a mother <laughs> yeah it was really great yeah but it also was like if he's a stubborn asshole it's not my fault like i don't need to i don't need the responsibility of like reigning it reigning him in yeah but and it was true. great as
1: a mom that was like But it, yeah, it's also like I feel like that also probably felt pretty good to stand to be like okay so I'm not the only one that like deals with his stubbornness issues and I can probably be a little vindicated in like being an asshole back.
0: That's true yeah that's really true because she was feeling really bad about it. And yeah she, she was, was
1: feeling like guilty. questioning it.
0: Yeah I think she even at one point like
1: in her inner monologue was like oh I feel really guilty for like pushing him to the point of feeling like he needs to lash out but like also he shouldn't be lashing out so maybe yeah that too
0: yeah exactly so that was very yeah you're right that was very vindicating on her part yeah so then yeah what happens after that um so
1: after that, I'm trying to think of like big plot points. We have the Emmeline reveal. Yeah.
0: Oh, one of the other, th- I, that party, what, ha- what, um, cause they don't stay much longer after that. Isn't it that party where? Oh, um, it's
1: the, yeah, the break in.
0: Yes. Yeah. So, uh, Stan gets a notice, like a phone call. I, I think it's a phone call that mm-hmm. the alarm in her, uh, at her, Bakery is going off, and so she's like, "Oh fuck!" So like, Jake grabs their coats and they like run out, and they head to the store. And like, meanwhile, I think they've called Jesse and oh sh- no, 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 Jesse doesn't show they, up. Cause she's with Liam. Yeah, I think
1: they they have the security people call the police and send a squad car over.
0: Oh yeah, because Lou, the se- the other guy, that Jesse's partner, Lou, Lou. The, great, the great Lou, great Lou. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lou shows up. Yeah, they get there and her place is just fucking trashed. Like, the window's broken. Luckily, I guess the display cases haven't broken because that, that was a really good detail, I thought. So I was like, that that was probably a known fact that this author, like, knew how much display cases cost and was like, this would put her out of business. But, like, yeah. everything else was fine. Everything and else so... was fine.
1: Yeah, I know. And, that, I mean, <laughs> that custom display case did seem very, like, specific so I'm sure it cost her quite a decent amount of money to get
0: that in the shape of a cat and dog yeah I keep forgetting that is actually the thing that it is it's very interesting (laughs) yeah yeah
1: I'm really like I'm trying to picture it and I don't actually think that I can like I'm really not sure what a display case in the shape of a cat and dog would look like but I'm very sure it was expensive
0: no I yes I 100% agree to both of that <laughs> um, so yeah so they don't really know they don't have any idea what happened there's money still in the cash register mm-hmm. so they're like
1: this wasn't a robbery no it was definitely um, uh, just a destructive
0: whatever it was just for yeah just like for a destructive moment yeah. but then that's when we get the next cat entrances not there but that next morning they've both been like tossing and turning and not really sleeping because they're worried that like if whoever it is has her bakery address they must have her home address too and so the next morning she wakes up and she's like oh god I just have so I have to go in and like this is like days before grand opening and like I have to go in and just like redo my entire store and she was like as she was leaving she was thinking like oh my god I also don't want to leave my house because like I have so many animals here and like if, which I think about all the time. If anyone breaks into my apartment, like, my cats will escape and I will maybe never see them again. And that is just too sad to think about. So she's thinking about her cats, especially as she's leaving. But then that's the last we get of any cat talk. No, no cats. Cats. <laughs> I mean, they're around <laughs> still.
1: They don't, like, leave. But, yeah. No, that's it. No cat
0: sleuthing. No cat purring. No purring. No purring around a Christmas tree. No purring around the Christmas tree. Yeah, it felt very. Um, I felt very misled, to be honest. Yeah, not that I didn't enjoy it, because I did. Um, yeah, I had my issues with the ending, but yeah, I enjoyed a lot of it. I just would say that title is false advertising. <laughs> it absolutely <laughs> is. Yeah,
1: that title was like the reason why we picked this book because it was like, oh, Christmas,
0: yeah. purring, great. Yeah. No. It makes me wonder cuz I noticed that there were other books in this series that were there was one in particular that I had noticed that was called Murder Most Meow because that's fantastic that's a great title uh-huh. but then I was like are they all just puns on meowing and then or like cats and like they're not and really there's no like really featured cats
1: yeah I was kind of wondering that too like if uh, the animals like featured more prominently in other mysteries in the series but I guess, I mean, we yeah. could, I guess we could try again at some point with this, but I feel like it's going to be a while.
0: Yeah, I agree. No, that's a really interesting point, because I wonder if for this one, they just straight up picked Christmas over cat content, you know, yeah. or like animal content, and they kind of could, you know, she couldn't really balance both. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, we yeah, let's definitely try another one at some point, Not not next, but. No, at some point at when we'll surprise point. you in the future yeah Um. oh shoot okay so what's next so then oh so she goes to the store the next morning mm-hmm. and it turns out that Jake has very sweetly called in the troops like everyone he knows from like construction workers who are helping stand with her front window to like you know Char even wakes mm-hmm. up and is like out bed and helping and there are just so many people That's there helping perfect. her yeah yeah um so she's again getting so much help, more help than yeah. I would think any, I would certainly get. Yeah. And um, once again,
1: she's not needing to do her job.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because then very quickly, Shar gets a phone call. Ah, dun, 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 mystery phone call. And this is like on top
1: of a bunch of other mystery phone calls that she's been getting. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't know if we, mentioned or maybe it came up in this half of the book so Shar has been getting like you know she picks up and then like the call drops or like they hang up or you know like just kind of pranky type phone calls and she's like well, yeah. I don't know, yeah that's fine i don't want to talk about it they're like i don't want to think about it it's just like you know normal and it was kind of like glossed over but then yeah she does get a surprise phone call this morning that has <gasps> some more information in it
0: what? Oh my god. Um yeah. So she gets a phone call from Ray. Her missing husband. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might but have been too much. Yeah. <laughs> well, a little over, overextended. A little overextended. Um, overexcited. But it's the first that we've heard from or about these missing persons directly
1: this when you're
0: just like waiting you like know that something's gonna happen and it's like this is the first thing of it that happens and you're like okay we're ramping up here people. yeah then we're <laughs> coming to of the end, end. <laughs> we're figuring it out yeah. let's get this so going ray actually alive which like part of me actually was like are we just gonna find out at the end that these two fuckers are dead like yeah what's, gonna, <laughs> what's happening here yeah so he is alive um, and he's calling from like a very, a place of very bad reception. And so, of course, she can't really tell what he's saying. And so he, like, is saying a bunch of like garbled shit. And then at the end, she's like, oh, she like throws the phone away and she's like, he's definitely run away and he is just out of my life and I'm divorcing him. And Santa's like, what the fuck just happened? And she's like, well, he just said that something about some girl oh my god do you hear franklin in the background yes i do <laughs> franklin <laughs> what are you doing are you trying to add to this dramatic retelling he's like licking his little chest so no so, franklin franklin he's also about to pull out some dvds from our shelf his favorite pastime oh, great <laughs> yeah he sounds um, like a rubunctious asshole just like judy oh yes he's very much a rambunctious asshole that i'm very worried to leave even though we have an excellent cat sitter who's coming to check on them oh i'm just sure he's gonna destroy our apartment (laughs) yeah i mean it's fine though it's fine i feel like the more
1: they destroy while you're not there kind of the better not the better like you don't want anything to be destroyed when you get back but it's kind of nice to come back to like two weeks worth of destruction as opposed to coming back daily and having to pick up destruction every single day.
0: That's true. He's a very not destructive cat on a day-to-day basis, but you're right. Last Christmas, um, our same pet sitter had texted me a picture, I think like on Christmas, and she was like, so I think they got a little mad today, and they like (laughs) literally went into our closet and like pulled down all of our clothes from the hangers. (laughs) they're like you fuckers are gonna pay for not being here oh and it was goodness. so good yeah I know I, <laughs> I always feel so bad because on Christmas like it's always like the pet's worst day because like I know at home like we're always gone so like Mika, yeah like our dog is always like left from a, like a lot of the day and like yeah she's like are definitely in the house by herself for like yeah hours. <laughs> I know it's always so sad. I always joke that like yeah, that Christmas like holidays are like pets' least favorite days because like people are usually away. Buddy, hey! <laughs> oh, that was <laughs> a good one. Was that a good one? That was a good. Was one. Was that like the intro? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Did you? That one was so questioning. Was yeah, that meow? Franklin. <laughs> you're such a good boy. <laughs> oh, oh, that yo. was that was a...
1: oh, Chuni heard that. Oh, really?
0: Yeah. Oh my god, I love
1: it. He just perked up his ears.
0: <laughs> Franklin, you want to talk to Chooney? Here. Yeah. Say hi to Chooney. No more.
1: He did his little flop on the ground. No, oh, done. Done for the night.
0: Done, Yeah. Oh, Chooney, oh, who
1: friend. was that bud? Oh, oh, oh. oh long distance <laughs> friends. Long distance friends. Chooney doesn't care that much he's asleep for the most part he's got this he's got sleepy face so he's not like that
0: excited about it <laughs> how dare he yeah. I'm trying to make a love connection here between our cats and not have- I feel like they would
1: probably love each other
0: I think they, they would too they're so similar
1: yeah they seem very similar
0: would oh, you hear that he's now running all across the apartment No. Funny. Franklin Oh man, okay.
1: Where were we? Um, getting derailed by our (laughs) cat.
0: Per per usual. Per usual. (laughs) Oh god, we're obnoxious. Yes. (laughs) Uh
1: yeah oh my gosh so my this has nothing to do with the book but my boss in my real job
0: <laughs> uh this is your real job Excuse this me. is my real job
1: yeah my my boss in my day job <laughs> Fair. is also very honey and like likes to make ridiculous food puns because we work in nutrition (laughs) ah yes yes of course of course but um we we were at a meeting a partnership meeting of all of our partners and Mm -hmm, he mm -hmm. made like this really ridiculous like goofy dad joke food pun in front of everyone and then like laughed to himself and did the like knee slap and was like get it get it and, like, elbowing the guy next to him. And and the guy next to him was just, like, this super serious, like, wearing a suit, like, you know, very, like, straightforward, like, I'm here for a meeting. And he just, like, without pausing, just looks over and goes, well done. (laughs) (laughs) And it was, like, one of the funniest interactions. I don't know why it was so funny, but it was just, like, one of the funniest interactions I have seen in, like, a work setting. (laughs) It just made me giggle, and I had to share it. (laughs) oh my god no that's great that's amazing yeah anyway well done well done well done yeah (laughs) Yeah. and then like continued on with the meeting
0: (laughs) (laughs) uninterrupted yeah oh that's so great so forlorn (laughs) franklin you're having a day, I'm leaving. I think he knows I'm leaving tomorrow. No. Oh, you
1: know? Franklin. You
0: know. I'm so sorry. It's certainly not because John's gone. That's only Murphy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mushu also gets really
1: stressed out when I start packing bags.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think they definitely know. Like, pets definitely know when you're about to leave and when they're about to be like, bummed out
1: yeah well i think mushu knows because every time i pack a bag i take him with me and oh, so, fair. <laughs> so every time i pack a bag he's just like oh shit
0: <laughs> it's happening again where
1: are we going this
0: time oh no yeah oh buddy what are you doing with them this christmas are you just are you leaving them no i'm bringing them home are you okay yeah
1: awesome. i i mean i live two hours away, so it's not Mm. that stressful to bring them home because it's just a two-hour car ride.
0: Oh, I wish I could bring you guys home. You guys guys are (laughs) menacing.
1: Yeah, I mean, all of my cats have also spent, like, you know, a decent chunk of time back at back at the home front. So they yeah, they true. like, I mean, Mushu spent two years there. Chuni's been there for like six months. So they know the ins and outs of the place. It's not like new or stressful for them.
0: That's true. And they get to run around outside. I mean, not that Mushu likes that. Yeah, <laughs> <it's>
1: just... <laughs> No, Mushu <laughs> will not leave my room. He will be locked in my room <laughs> the entire time because otherwise I will lose him. Chuni will run around outside and be a crazy madman just
0: <laughs> running amok. Aww, Junie. June. Oh
1: June. No, buddy, my little guy. Oh,
0: he's looking—he's
1: looking crazy-faced. <laughs> I think he's about to wake up.
0: <laughs> oh, is he about to do a Franklin run amok around the apartment? He
1: might do a, a Franklin run amok. Um, also, so I—I I feel like this is very relatable for cat people. <laughs> oh. <laughs> rolled himself off the chair oh um, well,
0: Franklin doesn't
1: yeah but I feel I feel like this is very relatable so I just bought him a very new exciting toy it's like a one of those balls that like self like you put batteries in it and it like self rolls around and like has a feather and it's like exciting and you're supposed to chase it And I have, like, yeah, like, other, I have, like, other toys that I've, like, bought for them and, like, balls and, like, feather things and, like, all this stuff.
0: And what do you think Chuni's favorite toy is right now? Oh, um, I'm gonna guess. Not the thing. You spent a lot of time getting him.
1: (laughs) A fucking (laughs) hairband.
0: Oh, perfect. Yeah, my cat's love fucking hairbands, too. That's so funny. (laughs) Yeah, his favorite toy right now is a
1: hairband. He's, like, really obsessed with it. (laughs) Like, that's my shit. It's like, oh my god, this is the most exciting thing I've ever had in my life.
0: (laughs) Don't tell me any differently. (laughs) Yeah. He like doesn't play with his actual cat toys. He plays with (laughs) a (laughs) hairband. And the edge of the rug. (laughs) That's his second favorite toy. Yeah, ours do that too. There's like a little bit of the rug coming up near our kitchen and they definitely play with that too. And I'm like, there are like staples around that. I like have to keep like taping it down, and being like, "Stop messing with this. You will get hurt."
1: Yeah. Oh, kitties. Oh, no,
0: kitties. Oh. Okay, well that's your kitty talk because can- we don't get any more. <laughs> we don't have any more for the rest of forever. Ugh.
1: So, yeah, so, oh, my God, what even... So, pretty quickly, like, I feel like it kind of wraps up after this. Yeah, it does kind of wrap up. There is one more dead body,
0: though. (gasps) Oh, my God, that's right. Julia, take us to the next dead body.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so, when does Emmeline come in with her big reveal? Because I feel like that one's, like, not... It's not really necessary. But was it, like,
0: in between this and the dead body? Yeah, it must have been. I think it was maybe in between yeah it was in between maybe it was was like the day that they reopened or something like that something something yeah maybe
1: so well anyway before we get to the second dead body we do have one other like kind of important big informational reveal stan is talking to Emmeline, and i cannot remember why Emmeline was there but she is well, emmeline's a fucking gossip so she was <laughs> she just an so... information <laughs> yeah she's what so she's one of the other farmers of the town i guess and we meet her like at the very beginning and then she like kind of disappears and isn't like really a main character but she's around for this and so she and sam were talking about question mark i can't remember why this comes up but um, they were talking about Harold, and she was like, oh, yeah, like, you know, his cut, like, something about, like, something something, and he keeps coming back, and, you know, like, his family and his cousins and whatever. And Stan's like, mm-hmm. wait, like, he has family here? Like, he's not just some, like, detached vagrant uh, that, like, uh, comes in and out and yeah. and whatnot? And she's like, oh, no, like, the sisters on the farm, Vivian and uh, Velma?
0: No. <laughs> No. Violet? <laughs> no.
1: Vivian and... Victoria. Victoria, oh my god. <laughs> I knew it was I another V I I was close. <laughs> yeah, ish. <laughs> oh <No>, my god.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> the <Chai, Gavis
1: laughs> sisters, Vivian and Victoria. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. <laughs> Were Harold's cousins. Yes. Apparently, so the big gossip that surrounds this story is apparently when he. So it sounds like he kind of had like a rough upbringing and then like his parents either like died or disappeared or whatever. And so Vivian and Victoria's parents or mother or whoever was around um, kind of took him in a little bit. Um, But Mm -hmm. he was always like a little. You know, like, it, it sounded like he was always kind of, like, a little in and out of the family. But um, when the sister's parents died, they left a third of the farm to him. And him being an, an kind of an asshole who didn't really care about the family business, wanted to be bought out. And they wanted to buy him out, but didn't have enough money, which is why they had to sell most of the farm to the um, the construction people what are they called? Developers. To the developers yep. which is yeah. why they're so upset and fighting Kyle's restaurant because they didn't want to sell the farm which is a little sad. They didn't want to sell their farm but they did have to yeah. in order to keep the house um, which is apparently also kind of in disrepair and it just like seems like kind of a degrading situation like it is kind of just a downward spiral in the terms of like they're losing their farm their house is probably close to like condemned status from what people are saying about it and like now they're in the middle of this like big development that they're unhappy about yeah um so yeah that's their story
0: yeah so then I think yeah so all right so the next dead body yeah right so the next dead
1: body yeah so we find that out probably in Stan's store or wherever she is um and then she goes out to like find people and probably tell about
0: this piece of gossip
1: that she just heard
0: yeah (laughs) to do something about it um she's always going somewhere she's always telling someone the gossip or getting the gossip from someone else
1: always always out and about doing stuff but yeah so she's surprisingly enough not around to see who closed her store or if (laughs) if it even closed (laughs) correct Um, so she got a call from someone it wasn't the alarm company again she got a call from like someone in the community i can't remember who it was but they called, I think it was
0: Izzy. I think it was Izzy and Liam. They were driving by. Oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah.
1: That could be right. I honestly forget who. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so she gets a call from Izzy and Liam just being like, hey, does, is like is Brenna still in your store? Is it closed? Like, it should be closed now, right? Like, because the lights are still on and stan's like oh shit <laughs>
0: <laughs> i know because it was literally the night before she's like i just yeah, got fucking, like, fucking I just fixed my
1: god damn I it just fixed my place like so she mm-hmm. she calls jesse first i think and then maybe jake and she she calls a couple people
0: yeah i think
1: just jesse and jake show up um but they all meet there and they're kind of like they go in, like the door, like everything looks closed down, like the lights are off and everything's locked, like no broken, no signs of like breaking and entering, um, so they were like, well, that's probably just like you know, Brenna was here late and like whatever, so they kind of yeah, like was- go in and poke around and like look and see and um, everything looks fine and then they open up the back door and are like oh, there's a dead body out here, <laughs> They're like, wait a minute, hang on a second, this doesn't seem right. So it this doesn't crack, this, yeah. Mm. Um, so it ends up being one of
0: Seamus's friends. Yes, the yeah, one it's like, like one conveniently of conveniently the... one that we've never met. Yeah, it's
1: like <laughs> no someone that like no one cares about and is like one of the groups. But it is like, oh god, there's another dead body. Like obviously there are more players in this story and things are ramping up and they're coming into town. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the, I think that's the the beginning of it, like, the beginning of, like, realizing that there are, like, dangerous people in this town, aside from the breaking and entering, which they, like, sort of pinned on, like, rambunctious youths, but I think this is, like, kind of the confirmation of, like, oh, no, Seamus is definitely in something, and he is a... you know, his his people coming after him are in this town now. Yeah. Yeah, and
0: then I think it's pretty quickly after that, isn't it, that it kind of wraps up?
1: You know, what we missed, though...
0: Uh-oh. <laughs> I feel like it's always around here that we miss something, that I miss something, <laughs> that I'm like, oh, it's dead, and you're like, no no no, 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 no. Well, I don't know if this,
1: like, had any, any, like, discoveries, I guess, but the... the We had a talk on the Book of Kells.
0: Yes, that's right. That literally everyone goes to. Yeah, that
1: like everyone in town goes to. So Cyril and his dad have, who are the Book of Kells experts, are like really into this story that we mentioned last time. That is just kind of like a nonsense story that's like thrown in (laughs) to this like tiny town. And it's kind of like, you know, why is this important? we'll find out like how does this (laughs) tie in it really shouldn't but it does (laughs) but it's like we know it will yeah because otherwise why is it mentioned um yeah but yeah so it's a story from ireland um this like big famous historic book some religious book of some sort i think
0: yeah, so it's actually I don't I meant to look up and see if this is a real thing. I think it's a real thing. It's um at Trinity College in I think Dublin, and they describe it as a, like a really sacred text because it's like the first, it's like a really fancy version of the first four books of the New Testament. So like the Gospel. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: All right. An Irish. Person, but that's misleading.
0: Oh, yeah, I think probably a specifically very
1: Irish version. Yeah, <laughs> that's
0: what I would assume. Yeah,
1: but it's, like, big and famous and I'm assuming heavy because it's part of the Bible and, like, old and, like, very valuable. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, and they say, right, they say really, right, big and hard to move and,
1: you know, things like that, too, yeah. Yeah, um, but so it's been stolen For the for the first time, I think it had been attempted to be stolen like many many years ago, but this is the first time that it's been successfully stolen. um, Yeah, from its spot in Ireland, and Mm -hmm. um, has been missing. And so Cyril's dad had written a news article on it um, or a story on the Book of Kells like years and years ago in like his prime. Um, as a reporter and so cyril has kind of a a special interest in the story and has been reporting on it and giving updates to the town so he has a talk um where he and his dad get together and do just kind of a i guess just kind of like an informational session on anyone who's interested which is funnily enough everyone in the town (laughs) literally everyone (laughs) everyone who's important plus like Three or four like mysterious strangers who show up and sit in back, and everyone's like, "Who are those guys? We've never like literally never seen them in town before." But no one talks to them because I don't know. Like no one, no one gets excited about it. Like, oh, new people in town. We should maybe introduce ourselves because dangerous things are going oh, on.
0: Oh. Figure out well, like what the hell they're here for. No, true. Yeah, and they're not even because I initially thought they were Seamus's friends like the extra ones but those guys were there and then there were extra weird people yeah. like, there's so many extra people here there's
1: so many extra and they weren't I guess they could have probably assumed that they were
0: some of Char's guests but that's true because Char does have people coming in and out of yeah and breakfast.
1: but anyway that's what we missed and I guess the only oh well it is it is important because that's when um so during the talk that was when stan was like oh my god light bulb moment maybe this is all connected and yes
0: which i was so sad because i was like i thought this light bulb moment was gonna be with a cat yeah
1: <laughs> it wasn't with a cat it was no. with cyril um
0: <laughs> <Rah, stupid Cyril. laughs>
1: yeah. But yeah, so she she gathers her people and Kevin afterwards, <laughs> and is like, "Is this all connected? I have a theory." And everyone's like, <laughs> "Sure, we believe it." Like pretty on yeah. pretty on board pretty immediately. Like Tony and Kevin and her mom and Cyril were all like, "Yeah." And then Cyril was even like, "I'm surprised it took you so long." <laughs> yeah (laughs) like cyril had already been looking into it and had like sources and had been talking to people um but
0: yeah Yeah, like everyone was like like separately investigating it because tony too as mayor like kind of suspected and knew like way more about seamus than than stan knew too and so Mm -hmm. it was like it was a really funny moment because it was like we've been with stan investigating under the assumption that like
1: no one else is
0: doing anything and she's doing all of this work like because no one else is like thinking in this direction and all of a sudden it's like no there were like three separate books <laughs> of this going on <laughs> and, like yeah, it's everyone like... else except jesse thought this <laughs> yeah it's like everyone
1: is just like she's coming out with these theories and everyone's like yeah we're already there
0: <laughs> yeah yeah they're like yeah yeah, we know. And she's yeah. like, oh, absolutely,
1: yeah. yeah, and Cyril's like, yeah, I just need to, like, confirm a couple things. And then I can come, come out with the story. And Tony's like, yeah, I'm already, like, I have all of these facts. And I've been looking into this stuff. And I, I think it was that moment that Stan was like, oh, I, need, I need to give these people more credit.
0: <laughs> yeah, true. And I, I'm realizing, now we didn't get the end of that from Cyril. So Cyril must have known more than Stan. Because he must have known, like, Jesse... Because that's like right before the climax, right? Yeah, it,
1: it is. And I kind of got the impression that, and now that I'm thinking back, like I didn't think it at the time, but now that I'm thinking back to like the conversations that Stan and Cyril had about his sources and kind of what was going on, I kind of feel like Cyril was like in with Kevin and like that was <gasps> his source not like in oh oh
0: oh source yeah okay i was like is he a thief too no i
1: don't know i don't think he was in in that way but i think he like figured out who kevin was really early and was like hey can i get all of this information from you and kevin was like yeah sure i'll talk about it
0: (laughs) in that case cyril's an asshole because then he let a known criminal stay in stan's house yeah but like a nice one that's true. A very Robin Hoody one. Yeah. Like if Sorry, gonna... that was a spoiler it because it was a spoiler. But we're gonna
1: there. we're gonna
0: get to it like right now though. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it is gonna happen right now. And I will say, like, if you're gonna let a criminal stay in your friend's house unknowingly, like make sure that he's the good one and that like it's probably a good thing that he's there because there are also bad ones in town. Like I feel like that's the only scenario where it's acceptable.
0: Well, that's true, because that's his, like, whole tagline at the very end was, I'm a bad guy, but I'm the good kind of bad guy, or whatever it was. Yeah. Which I kind of like. Yeah. I have to admit, I was very charmed, even though I yeah. was like, Mark cats! <laughs> <laughs> Damn you and your catless books. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, yeah, so then the next thing, like, the big climax is that, oh, my God, how does it even start? It all, like, kind of goes really fast. Did they get a call? Like so, Stan
1: was with Jesse. Yeah. Why was she with Jesse? Oh, oh
0: I can't remember. <laughs> I think Jesse was at her place. Oh, she called Jesse because she realized she had never told Jesse there. I think when the dead body thing happened, she was initially about to, she had been about to tell Jesse something important. I think related to Izzy and Liam because she wasn't going to say anything until. Uh, until they said it but because then Liam like blurted it to his whole family while he was punching out the the racist guy (laughs) Um, then Stan was like oh okay I can tell people now or at least I can tell Jesse now yeah so I think that was the the connection that she had called Jesse and was like oh no 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 oh my god I'm so wrong it was actually about Ray she hadn't even told Jesse that Ray had called Shar. Oh, that's because right. Because she meant to tell her during the dead body scenario, but because there was a dead body, she obviously right. was like not remembering. Yeah. And so I think
1: she, she was there in person, wasn't
0: she? Didn't she like run into Jesse while she was no it was um no, it was because so uh Stan had met had sent a voice had called Jesse, but it had gotten a voicemail, and then she left a message that was like, Hey, Ray called Char call me back. I'll give you the details. And so there was something else. Maybe it was the Izzy thing too that she had to tell Jesse. And so she called. She called Jesse again and was like, Jesse picked up and she was like, "Come to my bakery. I have I have shit to talk to you. Did you get my message?" And Jesse was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm coming. I meant to call you back. I'm coming to your bakery now." And so I think she ended up at the bakery. And then while they were talking at the bakery, she still didn't even fucking tell her about. Ray calling Sharp. Apparently, she didn't <laughs> need to. Cause yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. At this point. Yeah. So then, while they're talking, Jesse gets a call that we don't get a ton of information about, but is very clearly like, "Shit's going down at the B and B." The B and B. No. Yeah. So then, it's we get this like funny the scene alpacas. of. Um, oh my God! Not the alpacas. But seriously, not the alpacas. Not the alpacas. They're great. Yeah. I fucking love alpacas. Yeah, they're fantastic. Um, so yeah, we get this really funny scene of um, Stan running after Jesse and Jesse being like, get out of here! You can't come, Stan! And Stan being like, yeah, st- try to stop me! And then Stan literally jumps into her cop car with <laughs> Jesse and Jesse's like, you're a fucking nightmare. Get out of my car. <laughs> so they drive together to Char's house and uh, when they get there, it's just like a tactical crazy mess because yeah. Jesse gets out and is like, "You stay in the car, or I'm gonna like handcuff you to the car." So they're like, "Active." They something. They're like the front door's locked. They like know the front door's locked somehow, and so Jesse like takes out her gun and is like going around the back and is like trying to get in like all like sneaky style. Mm-hmm. And then so Stan, we obviously know, is not gonna stay in the fucking car. Yeah, of course. The so. thing <laughs> that we get that instigates her out of the car is that um, she is sitting there, and she's like, what do I do? And then she sees fucking Kevin. Kevin. Like, sneaking around the back, too. And she's like, what the fuck is he doing here? So she runs at him, and then finds out that he has a gun, and is, like, kind of waving it around a little bit. Not really. He's, like, a sort of pro. And so she's like, what are you doing? And, like, freaks out. And he's like, shut up. And so he's, like, trying to, like, not in a malicious way but in a like you're gonna ruin this way like tries to quiet her so he like puts his hand over her mouth and so she freaks out and is like attacking him and he's like that i think that's when he says his line of like i'm not the bad i'm a bad guy i'm not the bad guy in this situation like you need to stop yeah and, and so like, there are bad people like, in
1: there and she's like well then why don't you call the police and he's like because i'm kind of a bad person too <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, but he's like, I promise I, like, have good intentions for you. Yeah. Um, and, like, your friends. So, uh, and he, like, convinces her that he is going to, like, rectify whatever situation is happening in the house, which we still don't know yet. Which, to be honest, like, I think I would have liked to know at least a little bit of the stakes of what was happening in the house. Because apparently what was happening in the house was, like, a semi-kidnapping situation. Like, the creepy guys... um, from well, actually, we never knew, so it was the same creepy guys that had followed um Stan mm-hmm. that one night, yeah, in the black sedan, and, yeah, and the black sedan, so the black sedan, apparently that's another red flag is parked um a little ways away, um, down the street, and so um yeah, so they find out after the fact, so but I basically what happens is like Stan is sort of standing outside being like, "Oh God, okay, and so like Kevin goes into the house he breaks a window runs in they hear some gunshots some screams and stands like oh god like what did i just like help happen and then we get afterwards the kind of playback of the fact that these two like like goon type guys had taken char and was it cyril it, it was, was Cyril, cyril right? yeah yeah hostage basically he had like tied them up and like kind of kidnapped them in their own like in the air in the b&b and then um kevin before jesse could even get in because jesse was still like kind of waiting for backup and like she was still gonna go in but she wasn't like going in as quickly as kevin was and also didn't really know how dangerous the guys in there were or knew the situation kevin seemed to already know the situation so kevin just like ran in and shot dead the two kidnapper guys and, and then uh, ran out yeah and then ran away we don't see Kevin ever again but yep. bye- we bye Kevin. yeah bye Kevin see uh, Robin Hood Santa of this book <laughs> mobster. Um, because, yeah mobster guy because we learned so pretty quickly after that we get a couple just like you know wrap up conversations of um, well no uh, after that we get a car pulling up like pretty immediately oh right
1: and who fucking pops out seamus and ray
0: (laughs) Uh, well the ray was good because ray that was actually really sweet because he like obviously him and shari had like a teary reunion and like just like we're like oh my god and he was like i tried to call so many times which then that's why there were so many like calls and hangs up because they were so apparently i guess the whole backstory was that seamus was involved in the theft of the book of kells it sounded
1: like he wasn't part of the thieving part he was gonna be a part of the no. like receiving end here in the states yeah um but then he got cold feet <laughs> and dragged right down West yeah North.
0: yeah he basically got uncomfortable with what was happening and then apparently he had a friend in the fbi and he just went to the friend of the fbi and was like here's everything that's been happening oh, We, so hang out we your ba-
1: basement for like three nights
0: yeah and then they like hole up in a basement for a couple nights which is why they had such bad service which is why Ray couldn't reach Char and when he did it was garbled and then he what even oh so then there were these other people that were after Seamus to try to basically to try because he had like I guess turned on them basically and I think he Mm -hmm. was the one that they like did they think he had the Book of Kells, or did they were they just mad that he had like double crossed yeah. them basically?
1: I don't. Yeah, I'm kind of unclear as to why people were going after Seamus and his family at that point. But those were the people who were holding Cyril and Share hostage. And then, so the people who brought Seamus and Ray back to town were the FBI, I guess, working on the case. Which
0: yeah. then those were the weird guys from the library, that right? Was-
1: But they had also called Jesse and so she was in on the whole thing and like had the information. And so they were like working on getting everything together when this kind of like kerfuffle happened at the B&B.
0: Yeah, right. Because she knew that they were coming. Mm -hmm. But then the other like weird part of this that we get. So like right before, because that I think is the conversation that kind of spiraled with Jesse and Stan right before Jesse gets the call to go to this. Where Stan is like i think i figured this out like i think there are two separate things happening one this whole seamus and book of kells thing and like they like that's organized crime related like nightmare that seamus has instigated or been, you know just been pulled into mm-hmm. and then yeah. well simultaneously i think the other thing that's happening is that harold's death was separate and so she goes through all these people that she's just kind of casually accusing <laughs> of like she's like well first i thought it was this person and then i thought it was this person because she thought it was miss viv at first and then um because she was like a jilted lover and then i can't remember who else there was someone else she was like i thought it was this person Mm -hmm. oh abby she was like i thought Uh, it was abby because the business thing that like shame is fucked up for Mm -hmm. her but then finally she settles on no i think it was miss viv's sister Victoria, Victoria slash Verna she slash who is totally
1: other... in my opinion absolutely right not that anyone should be right in killing anyone else poisoning but someone like, <laughs> <laughs> poisoning someone but at the same time like she like this all of her problems would have been solved if she had like thought of this earlier and like poisoned the right person
0: that's true but she did it like 35 years too late
1: (laughs) yeah she did it very much too late and she also poisoned the wrong person but it still would have been helpful if she had poisoned the wrong person like a few years earlier probably
0: that's true i mean yeah that's also true
1: yeah i mean this so this is the part this is the part that i have a problem with
0: (laughs) do tell do tell
1: because i don't think victoria is actually a villain here i think seamus and harold are both assholes who have screwed everyone over and deserve their comeuppance maybe not poisoning but um their comeuppance came to this like poor old lady that's been screwed over her whole life by both of them
0: that's true she was really screwed over by literally both of both them both of them
1: her entire yeah. life and now she's well, gotten to the point where like no one's helping her in any way and she like
0: including her sister including her
1: sister and so she's gotten to the point where she's like I've lost literally everything and if my sister leaves with this like dumbass of a guy this whole farm is gonna go under and I don't know what I'm gonna do so she resorts to poison and she is the the one person in this entire book that gets a punishment
0: I know it's so true yeah because she's like and they treat it very much as if she's like a serial killer because then miss Viv, like the ending is that like seamus decides to stay in the town to be with miss viv because viv is like deciding she needs to be in frog leap to like be around uh victoria for whatever happens and just like the phrasing of it is very like not like woman who snapped but like woman who is like a psychopath serial killer and it's like right yeah. i'm not sure it was like that level of malevolence yeah and also like she someone.
1: what a double punishment that like in the end this like absolutely terrible racist uncle is coming to live in a town to be close to the sister who wants to stay close to the sister who tried to kill him
0: it's, it's like, true it is like a really twilight zoney type like you did this thing to try to get this person out of your life. And now that person is closer than yeah. ever to you. <laughs> right? It's like the glasses all over again, Julia. Oh, the glasses. Ugh, oh, the
1: bane of my existence.
0: I know. Everyone will. No one in our family will stop talking to Julia about the one Twilight Zone episode that the she what? truly hates Twilight so
1: much. Zone <laughs> I hate it so much. And I feel like this happens every single time. So this Twilight Zone episode like totally scarred me. And every time I mention the Twilight Zone, dad is always like, oh my god, the Twilight Zone, like, I, it's so great, like, blah, 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 and I have this one episode taped, it's about the glasses, and I'm like, oh my god, please delete it, I don't want to talk about it, it's awful, it's like the most tragic episode ever. And I, like, tell you every single time that I hate the Twilight Zone because of it. And every
0: single time it comes
1: up, he's like, oh, my God, the Twilight Zone. I have this episode for you.
0: Wait, Julia, do you like the Twilight Zone, though? Is that what I'm hearing? No. (laughs) Down here. (laughs) Take the Twilight Zone with you. I'm just trying to help. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, God. Okay. So, yeah. So, it's truly, really, like, the worst punishment of, and, like, very ironic that, like, yeah, she tries to. So, the whole thing is that she's she has poisoned who she thought was Seamus and ends up being Harold. Mm-hmm. And then also, right, ends up being that both of those people have been, like, bane's of her life. I would love to read a book, like, from her perspective to be, like, how did she feel right. after she realized that it was Harold and not Seamus? Because she couldn't have been too sad. I mean yeah but I mean to kind of wrap it up the reason that she
1: wanted to poison Seamus was because she had lost everything in terms of her farm and because Seamus was telling Vivian that he was going to be taking her to Turks and Caicos for forever and so that was why um, Victoria was like no he needs to not be in my life anymore because if I you know if my sister moves away I'm gonna have to live in a condo and I just want to live in my farmhouse. God forbid.
0: Yeah. Don't. Can't live in a condo.
1: Can't live in a condo.
0: I mean she's also <laughs> like it
1: sounds like she's kind of up there in years and probably just wants to be set in her ways and live the rest of her life
0: in her house which is very fair in my opinion. That's true. But you know who loves living in a condo? Susan Xbridge <laughs> in uh, the Cat Who books. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The end. I don't know why I'm saying these things. I'm on 3%. <laughs> I'm just derailing us more. <laughs> okay, great. Well, anyway. My phone's, I'm... Like, literally dying, and I'm, like, derailing us. Um,
1: the so... the point of everything is <laughs> Victoria not a villain, and Seamus should have gotten his comeuppance as the terrible racist uncle who causes everyone pain, and he didn't. He's, like, yeah. welcomed back into town as like not a hero but he is welcomed back into town as like yeah sure well like you know no problem
0: yeah it's like a new resident and then like also we get the like really quick flip of jake of like well so rightly stan is like but wait he's a racist and jake's like yeah well actually my dad had like a huge talking with him which like rightly so so like that's good But I guess like well the only thing we get though is that like I Jake's like, I have a feeling he's gonna be apologizing to Izzy and Liam soon. And it's like we don't even get an apology, we get we don't the get thought an ap- of an apology. Yeah. So
1: we don't get an apology. We also only get an apology after he is spoken to and almost dies, which like
0: yeah. sure
1: people turn corners after they have near death experiences, but like he still needed to talking to so like yeah all of all of that and and cherry on top of all of the shit pile he gets to be fucking santa at
0: the end that's true he does he reprises (laughs) his role as santa which i was still hoping kevin was gonna be it because in my mind kevin is the new santa of this whole
1: story yeah i mean we don't see kevin ever again but like Stan had already asked Paul nice guy Paul to be Santa and he was like oh my god I'm so flattered and then like Seamus the like asshole of the whole book gets still gets to be Santa at the end
0: yeah and I just realized I don't know that we really said the full thing about Kevin so we find out from the FBI guys that roll up after the whole incident Mm -hmm. and the FBI guys are like yeah, like Kevin is this like crazy prominent like mob boss yeah. criminal in Ireland. He's like the then, the baddest of the bad. <laughs> yeah, and Stan's like, uh, come again? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, he's like really fucking well known, like like a like a I don't know, like a Sopranos type, like Tony Soprano, like, yeah, totally, mob like the mob boss
1: in charge of the entire like Book of Kells theft and probably that's right, countless yeah. others
0: but then they also are like but he also like you know t- has like a soft spot for people that he really likes mm-hmm. and so they're like so Stan is like oh my god like this guy pro- like yeah. probably was minutes away from killing us and they're like no he no, also oh you're like that's his MO then-
1: <laughs> yeah he cause like then we get- takes a shining to certain people and like just kind of hangs out with them and
0: to- yeah because then we get the little bit too that the dead body in Stan's parking lot behind her uh, bakery is because fucking Kevin was stopping someone else from breaking into. it So basically that someone was like, we think it was maybe the, the same guys that kidnapped um, or like, you know, tied up Char and Cyril were had broken into Stan's bakery to send, basically to like send a message like we don't like what you're, you know, throwing.
1: Well, out. yeah, but they also like the be- I think it was because Kevin was staying at her house. They assumed that she was with oh, him in like right. in his business. That's right. But it was also protective of like, you know, in the face of problems that he's like kind of causing by being there. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I guess that's true. I Yeah, I guess I hadn't seen it like that. But it is at least a little bit endearing that he was it like... It is, yeah. He was in some character. ways. But yes, yeah, so that was a good twist. I did like that. But you're right. It was otherwise a little tiny bit of a letdown because it does turn out that, like... Well, I guess we do get that, like, the murderer is someone we know. But then it's, like, not connected as much as I kind of... Like, it, I kind of wanted it all to wrap up. And it was, like, these two simultaneous things that were happening, which could be interesting. But yeah I don't know I I guess I just wanted it more I mean I obviously wanted more cats is really all it comes down to (laughs) it was not a cat mystery no there was no purring around any Christmas tree there was not oh so we're so sorry about that guys but thanks for coming on us with that journey it definitely was very Christmas heavy which was the whole point in the beginning so that's that was at least delivered for us for sure that is true yeah that was
1: great and we have yes. a continued christmas series for <gasps> you next week we have another christmas yeah. special that we are very excited about it's not a book <gasps> it's a tv oh, show
0: <laughs> but it does involve cats that we also already know it involves cats
1: yeah we absolutely know well, it involves cats it's the one cat, cat is in particular yeah one one cat the cat and this cat is like a very, super supernatural. It, yeah, I was going to say it's a very prominent character and it is harkening back to our supernaturalness of this podcast.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. And you know what? I was just going to bring it full circle back to velvet leggings and scrunchies. And we were talking about the 90s. Oh, and I'll yeah. Give you a little... This is very 90s. <laughs> yeah, a little hinty hint. This is going back to the uh-huh. 90s. but it's not. I'm I, about.
1: I will give another hint. It's not Sabrina the Teenage Witch, so don't get too excited.
0: Oh, okay true it's not that but we do have plans to come back to that in other ways in the future so hold on to your your witch collars is that (laughs) your witch hats (laughs) yeah your witch hats hold on to your witch hats because we're doing that yeah um oh my god i'm on one percent okay oh but um Guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much to our new patrons. We're so excited. Thank you so much for everyone who supports us on Patreon. Um, we got a few more patrons to shout out for you at the top of the episode. Patrons, Thank you so much. We truly just appreciate it so 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 much. Um, our one of our first um, new patrons is Emily who has a cat named Mrs. Murphy, Aww. which is exciting on two levels because John and I have a cat named Murphy. And I wonder, suspect, if this might be um, a little shout out to the Mrs. Murphy cozy mystery series. I don't know that. Emily, I'm so sorry if that's not the case. <laughs> it's a really why, awesome why name, either name either way. Why about names? <laughs> I know, I really, I should not assume. It's a great name either way. And I love it, it so a, much. It's a great name. Yeah, so Emily, thank you so much. You're so great. And our second one is Jessica who has uh two two lovely little uh little petsies that we're going to shout Ooh, two out. Two little one, monsters. Two little monsters. One um she said is Miko uh, beautiful little black cat like shadow Aww. and the other one zane which is such a cool name is uh she says her chunky and spunky half gray <laughs> half white baby <laughs> which Ooh, i love i have a gray and white baby you have kind of two gray and white babies isn't well Mushu doesn't have any white on him
1: yeah okay but he's, he's like lighter gray. striped mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Grey. Listen, I'm not going to take this away from Zane. He's a beautiful cat who is unique and lovely on
0: his own. (laughs) I agree. I agree. Zane, Miko, Jessica, Emily, Mrs. Murphy, thank you. You guys are great. Um, What else? Happy holidays. We do have one, right? As Julia said, we have one more Christmassy special that we're going to come up with um, next week because Julia and I are actually going to be seeing each other for the holidays. What? Family together. Um, so yeah, so we'll see you next week. And um, in the meantime, follow us on social media. We are Paranormal Captivity Pod on Instagram, Paranormal Pod on Twitter. We also have a Patreon. Uh, people are just so generous, and I it is blowing us away, and that is so amazing. We also have been posting, so you, we have some like cool benefits there as well. And I've been posting like additional little kitty pics there uh, too that I don't post on the social media feeds. So that is also a little. A little extra bonus aside from the Kitty World news that we do once a month. And um, the little pet shout outs that we like to do too. Pet and pertrin shout outs. And I think that's it. Seriously, thank you guys yeah. so much. We love you all. Bye. <laughs>